Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Psychedelic Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Walker, and today we're going to be diving into the world of mushroom coffee. Have you tried it yet? Or maybe you're more of a mushroom matcha type of person. Either way, our guest today has you covered. Everybody, please welcome Jack Savage of Everyday Dose mushroom coffee with everyday dose we're like okay let's use coffee flavor the cold extraction as the vehicle to deliver the supplements that are actually underneath like the lion's mane chaga l-theanine and the collagen which has an incredible amino acid profile then if you add in all these supplements like 100 fruiting body mushroom extracts that are double extracted by doing a hot extraction process you're helping pull out the beta glucans the same way of like when you hear about like extractions with thc and, and cbd extractions like It's taking the plant, in this case the fungi, and really pulling out the nutrients. As always, thank you for listening, and please consider rating and reviewing the episode. Alrighty then, let's get the show on the road. Okay, Pasa Mufasa, what's up everybody? We've got Jack Savage, the founder of Everyday Dose, on the podcast today. Well, first of all, it's an honor to be here. I've been watching your your Instagrams a bunch, so it's pretty cool to be to be on the show with you. So I have actually had the distinct pleasure of trying Everyday Dose coffee, and I think I had mentioned this to you, but I'm a coffee fiend. I love it, but I don't love the 2 p.m. crash, and it's something that I wrestle with a lot. I have tried a couple of these other coffee analogs that are floating around the market, and I can unabashedly say that I am a huge as what I've tried so far, but how did you end up launching this company in the first place? Because I know there's a number of other analogs, as we mentioned, people who are doing coffee substitutes and replacements, but you've actually got real coffee in here with real caffeine and real mushrooms. So how did you get to this position where you're launching Everyday Dose? Sure. Thanks so much for the the compliments. I, I've been making mushroom drinks before it, is, it was even cool. <laughs> you know, before you saw all these brands popping up, uh, I was just making mushroom drinks in my, my kitchen. So if you were to come over, Dennis, I'd be like, hey, here's a mushroom drink. You know, to, you know, I combined cacao, tocotrinols, hoshuwu, shizandra with lion's mane, chaga, collagen. And um, a friend of mine came over and he was like, dude, you got to turn this into a brand. I was like, I don't know. There's already these all these other brands out there. He's like, you're living in this Burning Man world bubble where everybody's talking about mushrooms. The rest of this country doesn't know about them. They need to have this drink. So that got me sort of thinking about how I would how I'd launch Everyday Dose. Yeah. So that's that was like that was the impetus of how I started Everyday Dose. But like the journey that got me there was at the age of five, I was put on Ritalin, and. Parents didn't know I was, you know, I grew up in the South side of Chicago. Parents didn't know any better. So they just did what the doctors told them to do. And so then I, you know, Ritalin wasn't really sitting in my body very well. So they put me on Focalin. Uh, then I would be in that classroom making like really weird ticks because it, the amphetamines just weren't sitting well in my body. And then I, they put me on Concerta and then they finally landed on Adderall. And I took that until I was 25 and I went to the doctor and high blood pressure I was like, okay, maybe it's because I'm stressed from work. And then I'd go back to the doctor and I would have high blood pressure again. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, what the heck, Jack? You're 25. You're already a little bit irritable when you get off of the Adderall. And now you have high blood pressure. Uh, so I quit. Uh, well, people like people hate on me for saying that I quit cold turkey and telling the world that I quit cold turkey. It's my journey. When I took, So I was taking 30 milligrams XR every day. When I took 15, it didn't do anything. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to take 15 milligrams and it's not doing anything, what's the point of even taking 15 milligrams at all? So I quit cold turkey. 
uh, started drinking a ton of coffee, but that wasn't cutting it. I would, you know, because I was on Adderall for so long, coffee didn't really feel like it was doing very much. And then I would still have a crash even without having the, like the positive effects of it. So I started learning a lot about nootropics and biohacking. Thanks to actually, um, I was listening to Joe Rogan in 2011 and he talked about on it, uh, alpha brain. This is like 2011, 2012. And I remember trying alpha brain. This is like a total shout out. Everybody's gonna be like starting to buy every alpha brain, <laughs> uh, which is, it's a great product. And so I took alpha brain and I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is the first time that I actually feel like I can focus again. Like I don't have to take Adderall and I can still feel like something like, of course it wasn't Adderall. Like you're not going to compete with pharmaceuticals, but the negative effects of pharmaceuticals are just like out, outweigh the pros. And so I was poor. I didn't really have the money to buy alpha brain. It was like 60 or 70 bucks. So I deconstructed the formula. I just looked in the back and I was like, okay, Bocopa Maneri, this bark, blah, 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 blah. And I just started buying all of them in bulk because it's a lot cheaper to do that. And I uh, tried them individually to see like what fit, what sit well in my body. And actually, Bacopa was a fantastic nootropic for my for my mind. And so that was the beginning of the journey of of like really experimenting in the kitchen, uh, trying to see like what worked for me. And so that plus just lifestyle change, really focusing on diet and and lifestyle like going to the gym more regularly because it's more very much also like a um, mind and body connection with with adhd in my opinion and then also trying to stay away from inflammatory foods if you actually look like people who have adhd have more inflammation on a cellular level than than typically the like the average person uh, so if you think about that you're okay let's stay away from inflammatory foods one of them being alcohol alcohol is probably the worst thing you can put in your body for inflammation followed by processed foods and, and sugars and so those were a lot of the things that i took out of my out of my diet uh, along with making these mushroom drinks that's when i got really into like making mushroom drinks um, that sort of led me to the path of everyday dose today. For me, coffee has been such a huge game changer. You know, I didn't start drinking coffee until I was 25 or so, because I actually, I worked in a factory in New Zealand. I did a working holiday visa over there and I had to get up and work in this green shell muscle factory at like 5 a.m. doing manual labor, right? I come from the suburbs. I have a degree in media studies. I've been, you know, working on computers my whole life. So, you know, when I finally started doing actual manual labor, I, I needed something to kick me into gear and I was drinking just the shittiest, like Nescafe, you know, black coffee. And that's kind of how I learned to like it. And it's been a habit that's kind of stuck with me. And obviously, you know, when you're in your 20s, or in my case, I had a much different physiology or biochemistry than I feel like I have now when I'm 33. And I think a lot of people talk about this, where like you sort of build a relationship with coffee. And then at some point, it starts to, you know, the demands and kind of the side effects start to outweigh the habit a little bit. And that's, you know, I know a lot of people are in this position where they're like, well, coffee works for me. Like I, I like to work, you know, I'm type A personality or whatever. I like to be busy and all that. But um, I, I never felt this sense of even energy. It's always like I'm going up and then I'm coming down. And so I think that's really where like a lot of these products that have come to market are seeking to address that to people who don't want to give up coffee entirely, you know, and they don't want to get on pharmaceuticals or whatever, but they're looking for that buzz, you know, that sort of energy that they can sustain, that can uh, drive the projects they're working on. So one of the, 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 some of the marketing materials that I've seen you publish 
really punch in on this differentiation between Everyday Dose and some of the competitor products? And why is it that you suppose Everyday Dose is probably a better product for people who are looking to take mushroom coffee into their own lives rather than some of these competitors that you're up against? How much time do we have? Go for it. <laughs> um, well, I first want to talk about the real competition, which I think is coffee. We're not against coffee. We're just looking to make it better and then adding a bunch of supplements to it. So when people are looking at their coffee habit, they have to also be looking at it from like a short term and a long term. So short term, you got the crash. Um, so what causes the crash? A high dose of caffeine as well as the acidity. Acidity is actually linked to also the crash. So with Everyday Dose, we're like, okay, let's use coffee flavor, an extract, a cold extraction, um, as the vehicle to deliver the supplements that are actually underneath, like the lion's mane, chaga, L-theanine, and the collagen, which has an incredible amino acid profile. So those are the things that I look at like, as causing the crash. So cold extraction, cold extraction coffee helps with acidity, super low in acidity. Having a really low amount of caffeine, a microdose of caffeine, call it, uh, about 80% less than a normal coffee, which is between 100 and 300 milligrams, we have 39 milligrams, um, is going to help prevent you from blowing out your adrenal system. So in the long run, not long term, you're not going to have adrenal fatigue, you're not going to have brain fog that you still get even when you drink coffee. Then if you add in all these supplements like 100% fruiting body mushroom extracts that are double extracted and the reason why i talk about extraction process is the hot water extraction is really good at pulling out the beta glucans which is the most researched active compound in science so if you actually look at all the research on the papers they're talking about the beta glucans in mushrooms that's actually helping create the magic of functional mushrooms beta glucans is a type of soluble fiber that comes from the mushroom and it activates the immune cells and triggers a defense response. So a lot of studies show how it helps fight cancer cells. So again, by doing a hot extraction process, you're helping pull out the beta-glucans the same way of like when you hear about like extractions with THC and, and CBD extractions, like it's taking the plant, in this case, the fungi, and really pulling out the nutrients. So then one step further, so beta-glucans is a type of polysaccharide. There's two types of polysaccharides, alpha-glucans and beta-glucans. When you use myceliated oats or you use rice, you have a high level of alpha-glucans versus beta-glucans. So you'll still have a high polysaccharide count, but you're not going to have a high level of beta-glucans. So when you're doing just the myceliated oats and you're blending it, essentially just taking this, this oat cake, you inject it, inject the spores, the mycelium grows around it. Supposedly, this, the mycelium's eating all the oats, so uh, you're not going to have any oats in there. But if you actually do a DNA test, you will still find the oats. And you put it into a blender, you blend it up. You're now having a combination of oats and mycelium versus if you're just doing 100% fruiting body, you're getting just the mushrooms. And all the nutrients that you have in the mycelium is also in the fruiting body. So th there's a lot of brands out there that take the mycelium and the oats and put it into a blender and, and are selling it as, as well as selling this as a higher nutrient dense product. And if you look at the research, that may or may not be true. Like I'm not going to go into a legal battle with these people, but like do your own research because my last thing on this is if myceliated oats are cheaper for us to buy and we're in the business of helping people, 
and also making money, then why wouldn't we use myceliated oats? Because it would be better on our bottom line and it would help people more. Instead, I'm consuming my product, you're consuming my product, my friends are consuming my product, and it just so happens that thousands of other people are consuming my product now. So I want a product that actually works. So that's my saying on like the, the myceliated oats versus the fruiting body. Right on. Yeah, that's something I think we're going to continue to see research on because obviously there's competing interests, competing perspectives on it. But, you know, a lot of people that I trust and and also looking at historical evidence like, you know, mushrooms have been used for thousands of years. You look over to China, you look to, you know, indigenous cultures in Mesoamerica and nobody was doing anything like myceliated oats. Right. They were doing pure fruiting body mushrooms. So I think, you know, there, there's obviously a broader conversation to be had there. But thank you for the differentiation and clarification. And along those lines. I would love to hear about how you ended up with such a huge warehouse and congratulations on that because I've seen that Everyday Dose has just acquired some new real estate, which is very impressive. It's a large warehouse space and obviously you're intending to scale up the production of what you're doing, but I don't really have a frame of reference for where you came from and your entrepreneurial background, right? You just mentioned you've been making mushroom drinks for a long time, but I don't know very many people who just jump in the deep end, you know, before they have contracts with Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or whatever and are already doing something at scale the way that you're, you're doing. So I think that's very ambitious and it's something that's very impressive. How, you know, what is some of the entrepreneurial backstory that you have that leads you to have the confidence to secure such a large warehouse and, and center of operations for everyday dose? Yeah, thank you. I think it has to do with loyal customers that has gotten us to a point where we are actually able to secure a large 10,000 square foot warehouse. Uh, then I'm also going to like right now, I'm just taking this from, you know, like, uh, to be honest, like a bedroom. Uh, I've been working originally when I launched this, it was out of my dad's garage. And then uh, now I'm sort of working remote, I guess everybody's working remote. And the goal here is to take this 10,000 square foot warehouse and turn it into our HQ and our fulfillment center. Uh, and so it's enough space to be able to hold all of that. And the reason that we're able to, to, to get something that large is because we now have over 40,000 uh, subscribers. And by having over 40,000 subscribers, that allows us to, to be able to do that. It's also more cost effective. So uh, we were working with a 3PL, third-party logistics, to do our shipping. And there were just so many mistakes happening, like not sending it in time, get it like saying that they sent it, but then it never actually got sent. Then our customers would get really mad at us and it costs us a lot more money. So I thought, okay, this is a great, ex ex I love working on this. So like, why don't I actually interact with the product and hold it and ship it myself? So I'm super stoked about having a warehouse that I can actually be a part of the full process and eventually also do the manufacturing. Our manufacturing is done in Utah. So the nutraceutical, I would say the nutraceutical capital of the country. Uh, and we will ship it from Salt Lake City area to Austin, Texas, and then we will then send it out to customers. I've become aware of a number of great micropreneurs that are based in Austin. And before we started recording, I mentioned, you know, Alex Dorr is a friend of mine and he's based out there, CEO and founder of Mushroom Revival and they're absolutely crushing it. Taro from Four Sigmatic is based in Austin. I'm sure there's quite a few more that I'm unaware of, but what is the climate like for entrepreneurs and for micropreneurs, what is that like in Austin from your perspective? You know, I, I was born and raised in California. I've lived in San Francisco. You know, that had a very distinct sort of 
entrepreneurial ethos there, but I don't really have much of a frame of reference other than South by Southwest and music, you know, for, for what Austin offers. I think there's probably some tax incentives, you know, that have attracted people out there, but what has your general sense been of the entrepreneurial atmosphere for people who are serious about what they're doing, uh, looking into Austin as a place to set up their HQ? Yeah. That's, well, the first thing that I'm going to say is, uh, Taro is an absolute role model. I think he's the mushroom like king of CPG. And so I've looked at, looked, even before I knew him, I always looked at him as a role model. So when I became friends with him, it was an absolute honor. Alex from Mushroom Revival, I haven't met him yet. I'd love to meet him. And uh, I would say Austin is a great place to, to run a business. A lot of people here are heart-centered. So the, the first question isn't, what do you do? It's, how are you feeling? Like, what, like what's going on in your life? And maybe the maybe that first conversation leads to your career and maybe it's like the third fourth or fifth conversation and i find that uh to be more enjoyable for me coming from new york and la i was just gonna say i've lived in la and i don't intend to go back there were a lot of things i liked about la but you know earlier in my life i had this sense that i had to be there in la or in new york to make it and i don't think that's the case anymore i, I felt like i had a lot of sort of disingenuous encounters with people, you know, going to parties and networking events where I actually, you know, felt like I had to take a cold shower after where I go, I don't want to be in this environment. Obviously it's different for everyone. Some people might fit really well there, but um, ever since I moved out of LA, I actually have had a lot more entrepreneurial success, which I think is very, you know, if you had asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, you have to be in LA, you have to be in Highland Park or wherever, you know, or Santa Monica. And I don't think that's the case anymore. And I, I do think that the pandemic and everything going online really played a big role in that, right? As people reevaluating the need for being in physical proximity all the time in certain places. And, you know, I think uh, Austin really came up after that. There's obviously a lot of Californians and people who moved out there. That's kind of a, one of the narratives. So just kind of an aside, but um, that's something that I personally have experienced is like sometimes you got to find the right fit for yourself, you know, where you're around the right people and you kind of, you know why you're doing it. And not just because it's sort of the norm that society has established that like, you know, successful entrepreneurs come from Silicon Valley. Like maybe that was true in, you know, the nineties or something. And, um, but you know, that's, that's not a hundred percent been my experience. I've lived in San Francisco as well. Both great places to visit. I don't think I want to move back to either of those places. So, okay, you mentioned about kind of the mushroom space, and that's something that's been really interesting to follow, right? Is I feel like I've been pretty heavily leaning into psychedelics for a long time, and I started to learn more about functional mushrooms around 2017 or 2018, and to start focusing on more of the broad array of possibilities that you can lean into with, you know, myco remediation and mushroom packaging, brands like Ecovative and things like that, you know? And now mushrooms are the most mainstream thing in the world. And that's been so, so impressive to see, right? So like, what has your experience been like, you know, with the educational component? Because I think, you know, we're doing it a little bit right here, but there's still, mushrooms are so popular, there's still so much misconception around them. And unfortunately you do have a lot of unscrupulous brands and people who are getting into the space and trying to milk the clout and right you know they do their press release and they get their ad agency and now they have a, a mushroom brand and you know part of what i'm trying to do with the podcast is to platform a lot of really nuanced transparent dialogues like this so people can learn about beta glucans and people can kind of learn about some of the controversies and you know i still have family members like my mom recently went through chemo 
And she's asking me, she's like, which of these mushroom brands are good? And I'm like, man, there's like honestly 25 brands there I've never heard of and I wouldn't necessarily recommend them. So, you know, from someone who's been active in the space for a while, what's that been like for you? Like dealing with this sudden influx of huge interest, but also a lot of misinformation and misconception around, you know, your area of expertise. Yeah, I'm excited about the different types of innovation that's that pops up and I'm excited about all the other mushroom brands that are popping up. My only concern is misinformation and quality. So if you're just discovering about mushrooms and you try it, and if you're having an ineffective, low-quality mushroom product, you're going to think it's just another trend. And I know that this is not a trend because I know how much it's changed my life. And so it hurts me and upsets me when I find that there's other brands that are doing it purely because of a capitalistic reason. Of course, you could be a capitalist, but you can also do it with purpose. And so when someone's not doing something because of it's help actually helping someone, then it's, it just it rubs me the wrong way. Um, but I mean, that's like in every brand, in every industry, I imagine, right? Like even from glass water versus bottled water, uh, sorry, bottled water that's made out of glass and plastic, the microplastics. And like, that's not helping us either. And that was just a, maybe a terrible example, but I'm just thinking of like every industry, cereal, right? Like just pumping kids with sugar versus like maybe some sort of healthy alternative. So I think it's normal. Like I, I'm not gonna be anti anything if, if I think there's benefits to it. That's all to say that like you can see the, the positive things in everything. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think that the more entrepreneurs we have like you who are you know, able to speak authoritatively about a subject too, you know, you talked a little bit about nootropics and I, I was listening intently, you know, uh, I'm still on my journey learning about extraction and things like that, right? Like for me, I got into learning about mushrooms years ago as I've shared often on the podcast because I had a very dogmatized, very strict, conservative religious upbringing, but I also hosted a lot of exchange students. So I got to hear a lot of perspectives about the world outside of my community, you know, and I was very fortunate to go travel and stay with some of these people and the former Soviet Union and then, you know, Asia going over to China. I remember the first time I saw a fruiting body reishi mushroom in the south of China. And I was just like, I've never seen anything like this. Like, what is this waxy, you know, this, this mushroom, what is this thing? Like for me, mushrooms were button mushrooms, you know, something you didn't want on your pizza. There was literally zero, less than zero education or information about this broader world of the mycoverse. And then when I had my first experience with psilocybin mushrooms, it, it totally sucked me into this, you know, cathartic, mystical experience, which like so many other people where I say, wow, like this world is far, far different than my little corner of the universe that I understand. Over the journey, you know, years later, then I started to learn about lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, and that journey is ongoing. So just, you know, sharing a little bit about the backstory, but that's what I got into. And still, you know, I'm learning how much more there is to go to talk about these differences between hot water extraction or, you know, dual mark extract and, you know, some of the quality differences. Like I've got a whole bunch of extracts here and I've got, you know, companies sending me products left and right now. And a lot of them I never platform because I'm like, I used it for a week and I didn't feel anything. So I don't feel good because I wouldn't share this with a friend or whatever. There's other ones that I just go fully bullish on where I'm like, this is great. Like I use this, I share this with my wife. I sent samples to a friend. So you know, I, I do fully share your, uh, your perspective of like wanting to have the optimal quality products that actually work and build around that so that it isn't just another health trend. So um, along those lines, thinking about sort of these health trends and all that, I, I would be curious, like what other 
things you have going on with everyday dose above and beyond coffee. I know that you've recently in integrated a matcha product and you've got all kinds of other things, I'm sure. But yeah, shout out some of the other, you know, what's what's going on with the everyday dose product line? Yeah, so to go back to to the to the mushrooms and not pe people not knowing about mushrooms, I may, bu may be butchering the actual number, but I think like the plant kingdom is, you know, was... Came around 350 million years ago, and, and the, the the fungi kingdom is actually like 700 million years old. So, the fungi kingdom is almost two years, twice as old as the plant kingdom. So there are so many different types of species of fungi out there. So, it's, that's what I try to tell people when they're like, when I tell them a mushroom coffee, they're like, oh, is it going to get you high? I'm like, uh, it may it'll make you feel good, but it's not going to make you get high like you think of when you think of magic mushrooms. And that's why I always think it's kind of dorky when people are like when they call their their mushroom brand like like some sort of mushroom like magic magical mushrooms I was like come on let's let's stick to the magic mushrooms as you know the the stuff that like really sends you on that mystical journey uh but um so yeah there's just so many different types of mushrooms that I just try to tell people that there's there's a variety of them anyway so we launched this matcha and we launched the matcha with have you ever heard of tenzo matcha yeah okay so they have the cleanest highest quality matcha they're they they just sell matcha. That's their thing. They take one product from Japan and they made it really nice and they sent it to the U.S. So I was like, okay, well, obviously I care about quality. So let's get the highest quality matcha, partner with them, and then add our mushrooms and collagen and nootropics and call it the Everyday Dose matcha, uh, Mushroom Matcha. So we launched that a couple weeks ago. Uh, actually, now it's been like about a month. And it's going really, really, really well. It's super exciting to see how many people are enjoying matcha. Even people who didn't like matcha before now like matcha because they, I think it's the creaminess of the collagen and the, the almost umami flavor of the, of the lion's mane that helps give it this desire to drink over and over again. Like I'm on my, my third today. And the thing is, because it's so low caffeine, it's like a microdose of caffeine, you can have like three, four of these a day. And you're still around the same amount as a coffee, but you're getting more collagen, you're getting more lion's mane, you're getting more chaga. So that's why I like the matcha. And we're going to be coming out with a few other products. Uh, we're coming out with a honey. We've been working on this honey for over about a year now, to be honest. I just can't get the texture right, and I'm not gonna release the product until I feel very confident in it, but it's gonna be this delicious mushroom chai honey with shilajit and probiotics. And it's this type of probiotic that actually can withstand heat, so if you pour hot water on it, it's not gonna kill this, the, the, the probiotic. And I'm really, really excited about that because when you combine everyday dose with it, you get this sort of dirty chai latte taste to it. And so I'm really excited to, to bring that to the world. And that will have a mushroom blend to it because that's another thing. People are like, oh, you only have lion's mane and chaga in your blend. And I'm like, more does not equal better. Because if you have, every, if, if, if you have five or 10 different types of mushrooms in your blend, you have a lot of everything and not enough of anything. So if you look at the, the research on NIH or PubMed, you'll see that you need about a gram of lion's mane a day for it to be effect effective. So if you see these, if you, turn the, if you turn the label and you look at your brands and you see it says like 100 milligrams of lion's mane, 100 milligrams of turkey tail, 100 milligrams of chaga, 100 milligrams of reishi, you know, 
that's not enough of, of any of them to be extremely effective. So like, okay, let's not put everything in there and let's just put two large doses of lion's mane and chaga so that it actually does something to your body when you do it every day for the short term. And again, for the long term, it's all about the long term, in my opinion. Um, so with the honey, I'll be honest, like I would say there's going to be a less of each mushroom because we're just hearing people talk about like you, what, like, why don't you have cordyceps in there? Why don't you have this and that? So we're, we're going to put a, a, a lot of everything in there. <laughs> um, but what I'm really excited is we're putting an effective dose of shilajit and, um, probiotics. So this is really like a, a really delicious chai probiotic shilajit uh, honey with mushrooms in there as well. And if you're already drinking everyday dose, you're getting a, a lot of lion's mane and now you're getting a little bit more lion's mane. Um, so that's, that's exciting. Um, sometimes maybe I share too much. <laughs> that's all good, man. Yeah. So, you know, there's something talking about the, the trendiness of mushrooms that I want to jump into. I've noticed this trend recently that I'm not sure how to feel about yet. So I wanted, you know, just put the feelers out there, but a lot of Amanita products are becoming available. And I think it's because it's a loophole where you can legally sell them. But what I've noticed is there's all these micropreneurs and entrepreneurs who are launching Amanita chocolates and Amanita tinctures. You know, there was a, a booth at one of the recent conventions I went to with all Amanita products. I just went to Chicago. Actually, I was out in Chicago this week. My hometown, Southside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard you mention that. Yeah, my uh, in-laws live over there in Rogers Park. Yeah, it was fascinating. Uh, I, I love Chicago. It was snowing. I was totally drastically underprepared for that. I don't know why I didn't layer, but it, <laughs> uh, it will get you the cold. It's really cold there. Yes, it'll be like 30 degrees, but it feels like 19. But anyways, I was really impressed, or I was surprised to see all these Amanita products available. And I'm calling it now, somebody's gonna launch an Amanita coffee at some point, you know, just because, you know, there's there's interest in these things. So is that a trend that you've noticed? And is that something that, you know, like, I, I think that Amanita does have a lot of value to it. You know, obviously it's been used as a folk remedy for years by different cultures. But again, it's this idea of people exploiting it because they're able to call their products magic mushroom products. Yeah, so the first thing I would do is I would actually, I mean, I, I, I don't know that much about about Amanita, so I'm not going to speak on it that much. But the first thing I would think is, okay, what does the research show? Like, what does the th research say? What is the active compounds in Amanita that we're trying to optimize for? And then I would, then the next step would be, where is your source of Amanita coming from? And what can you test for to make sure that it is effective for that product? So I, I do hope that the brands that are out there are, are, are approaching it that way. And then also adding it to the coffee or whatever tinctures that they're doing. Hey, maybe maybe this is something that I that I look into. Even though I think the whole magic and the psychoactive side of it, like that's another thing is like, do you want to send them on a mystical journey or do you want this just to like sit in the background and do its work without you know sending on a mystical journey? Uh, and those are two different, completely different approaches to a product. And so I would have to think about that. And, and learn more. So thank you. Of course. And, you know, along those lines, too, I've noticed a few products who include QR codes to third party lab test results with the idea being, look, you can see the lab results of the efficacy of the compounds in this product. 
Uh, is that something that you actively do with everyday dose or do you have a way that people can actually look at the, at the lab results for these things? Uh, because that's also something that kind of screens out a lot of people where you have a product, and, but if I go to a store and I got a QR code on one that has third-party lab results versus another one that's just telling me it has mushrooms in it, obviously I think as kind of the industry develops over time, we should probably, you know, we should probably direct towards doing uh, more third-party tests so that you know it's not just marketing and hype, but there's actually the scientific basis there. So we'd just love to hear about, is that something that you've gone through is like testing your products? And you know, what does that look like for everyday dose? Yes, and I love that idea of the QR code. It's something I didn't think about. Just scan it and it pops it up. What we do currently, so how our testing process goes is our lion's mane and our chaga go through a, a third-party test and then when we blend the products as well, we do a test as well for mycotoxins, heavy metals, allergens, and molds. That would be interesting to then take and put on a QR code of some sort. We do have it like in our in our Facebook group, people ask and uh, we will then ask them to send us an email and then we'll send that to them. And so, but we don't, we never had on a QR code. That's really interesting. If anybody emails us, though, that's 100% something we provide them. That's what's up. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I want to see mushrooms benefit as many people as possible. And again, I share a lot of your views, you know, where it's like, I think people should be able to make money on this. You know, there's this sort of bifurcation, I feel like, especially with psychedelics, where there's this sort of stigma around making money. And it's like, oh, you know, you can't have individual wealth accumulation because that's antithetical to social progress. And these are some of the topics I want to continue to highlight on the show and in my work, because... What I see happening is you just get the spectrum going further left or further right. But like, what about this nuanced dialogue in the middle where we go, well, I know some really awesome philanthropists who are quite wealthy. And, you know, without, you know, I, I had someone recently on the show when I asked him this question, they're like, oh, yeah, when Afghanistan, when the government collapsed, I just, you know, took it upon myself to I was feeding 10,000 families over there out of my pocket. And, you know, obviously you can find fault with anybody for doing anything, but I just thought that was a great answer, you know, to, you know, somebody who, who has money, who can build around that and still provide for the community and, and social progress. So for me, I want to see a lot of people make money around mushrooms, but I also want to see the most people possible get the maximum benefit in their life. And uh, so, you know, from what I can see so far, I think that you're doing a great job at that and that I like outspoken people too. I think it gets me into trouble. It actually gets me into trouble sometimes. Well, I just think that, you know, like with the media in particular, I've, I've kind of seen a lot of these larger platforms sidestep a lot of issues because they're afraid to piss people off. And then, right, and it's just like, I don't know if that's the best way to handle it is just to ignore things or to pay lip service to it, you know, or whatnot. Like, so I think as a smaller platform and an independent, that's sort of my lane is I feel comfortable, you know, addressing some of these issues in a way uh, because these conversations are happening. They're just not necessarily happening in a, you know, on a public platform where people can participate in them and whatnot. So yeah, that's part, part of that. I'd be curious, how did you first find out about Mycopreneur? It seems like, uh, you know, the, I started doing satire a while ago and that got popular and that's kind of where I am now. But you know, I'm constantly surprised to find out the scope or the reach of, of this program. <laughs> dude, you've gone viral. You're, your viral sensation hit. I saw, I saw you uh, in, on Instagram. And, and so I just love amazing people doing cool things. And so I think, I think that's, 
I think I reached out that way. I saw you make a really cool video. I was like, hey, I'd love to send you some everyday dose because I love sharing it with epic people. It, it brings me joy when I know epic people. And there are so many epic people drinking everyday dose now. And that's the part that just lights me up. Hell yeah. Well, yeah, my wife and I are big fans for sure. So we're going to continue to inculcate it into our regiment. And I actually live in a coffee region and am directly involved in exporting coffee to the United States. So that's something, you know, we ship 10,000 pounds oh, cool. of unroasted green beans that we sourced directly wow. from a co-op. So, you know, I've had some experience. There's other things I'd like to do, uh, <laughs> like cacao. I have a, a mushroom chocolate brand. Is, is this mushroom, like psychedelic mushroom chocolate or is this regular mushroom chocolate? We are doing functional mushrooms. You know, we ordered like five kilograms of like cordyceps and, and you've got the COAs from, from China actually, which is something I haven't really publicly promoted this because we're still researching. I'm not anti-China for this specifically either. Yeah. Great. Let's let's dive into that because there will be more coming. I'm, I'm going to Miami to a convention next week and I've got a ton of Mycoday bars. That, that, so I'm going to be giving them out again and slowly roll it out. But uh, this idea of like the xenophobia is one word for it, of crusading against chi Chinese mushrooms. This is this is something. Yeah. It's let's like talk it's, about it's, it. It's 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 quite racist. It's quite it's 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 what it is. I love that you said xenophobia because let's let's be straight. Let's are these like potentially supposedly liberal people who are judging a country. Uh, just because it's China. That is prejudice. Well, and they've got 4,000 years of tradition behind mushroom cultivation. And, you know, I, I've talked to people and directly associate with people who have been over there to the farms, but there's this sort of stigma around it. Like, oh, they're just these giant faceless factories where they're pumping out these low quality mushrooms, you know, and, and you're getting, they're undercutting everyone on the price. But then I've talked to people who go, no, I've been over to the villages where there's families who are growing, you know, they have multi-generation mushroom farms and they're producing really quality mushrooms. And you can go over to China and go into stores and find 12 different types of cordyceps that are grown on different substrates. And like that mushroom culture is, is thousands of years ahead of the US. And you know, the same in Taiwan and in Vietnam, and I'm headed over there in the spring. And that's one of my goals It's like, I want to touch base with people in Vietnam and Singapore who are working with mushrooms. And you know, well, I would love to go with you. That'd be cool. That'll be a good trip. Yeah, I'll be over there for a couple months uh, in the general region. So it's something I'm, you know, my wife and I love to travel and we try to do like three months a year. We both work remotely. And so, you know, last year we did the Middle East or the Swana region would be a better term for it. We did Iraq, Kurdistan, Egypt, Israel, Palestine, and uh, a few other places. And this year we picked kind of Asia and that region. Uh, so it's just something that I want to continue to, I call it fungi diplomacy. I want to continue to bridge the gap. You know, I see sort of a US industry taking off. I see a Chinese industry that's very old and I see a lot of misconceptions about the two. So just, you know, something I, I, I just did an episode with a guy named Hamilton Pevick who uh, brokers large scale mushroom deals where he's importing tons at a time from China. And I'm learning from these people, you know, because a lot of other people have not been over there. So they're just kind of, you know, saying, oh, don't buy that Chinese mushroom bad, low quality. And sort of the consensus that I've understood is that like that might be the case for like plastic Happy Meal toys. But it doesn't mean that it's a blanket statement about the whole country. Like the whole country doesn't just make low quality plastic products, you know, that, that people in America like that's a very myopic and narrow framing of that country's economic output and what they're doing. So, you know, I just love to see more cooperation between the U.S. and, and some of these other, you know, mycophilic cultures. So to be transparent with about supply chain, we work with a company called Namex. I know them. And Namex is based in, 
in Canada, they grow their mushrooms in China and then they do heavy metal mycotoxins, allergens, molds tests, and then they import them. And that's, that's who we use. And we're not against China. We're not racist. We care about quality. I love Jeff. He's great. I've had him on the podcast and uh, he, he's, yeah, he's, he, he reached out to me and I was pumped. And then, you know, I did a little bit of the, the research on it, but I just think there are so many great characters in the history of mushrooms and it's been largely kind of like a subculture so now that the limelight is on it it's it's fascinating and you know uh for for seeing where psychedelics are headed that's a whole other story and that's something that i think there's going to be a lot of twists and turns coming up but uh this this idea of like the psychedelic convention is very interesting to me you know having gone to a few of them and now i see like 2023 they're all over the place right there's going to be you know, like several dozen of these large conferences in some of the biggest cities in the world, from Tel Aviv to Amsterdam to Los Angeles this year. And thinking about, you know, four years from now, I often like to ask people like, so, so let's dive into this, not necessarily just about psychedelics, but like the mushroom industry, if you will, where do you see this four or five years from now? Do you think that mushroom coffee is going to be, you know, a significant player in the, the caffeinated beverage landscape more than it already is? Because when I think about it, I think about like the biohackers, like you mentioned, and my friends, you know, who are into Joe Rogan and like, you know, living in the coastal elite, if you will. They're the people drinking mushroom coffee. I don't know how many people, you know, in middle America or in other parts are currently doing it other than the 40,000 who are subscribing to Everyday Dose. But like, you know, where do you see this and how are you preparing yourself for the next couple of years for the real potential of like explosive mainstream interest in what you're doing and in mushrooms? Yeah, I think where, where I see it in five years really depends on how the people that are a part of this this movement right now um, act, and and if they stand up as leaders to make sure again it comes back to quality, because if I actually found an MLM company that is selling mushroom coffee, and it's just the same situation with like the the, the quality of the ingredients is and and usually MLM is something that's kind of targeted I think in the middle America all around. So like if these people are already discovering mushroom coffee and it's not, if they don't feel it, then it, it may actually hurt the, the, the space. But I think there's such an association with mushrooms, mushroom coffee and psychedelics, even though they're completely different, that as psychedelics goes uh, further and further up, you're going to see mushroom coffee continuing to go further and further up. So I, I really hope that in five years, uh, more and more, like, I hope that every American has at least tried mushroom coffee at least once in five years from now. Straight up. Well, we'll do our best, you know, on this end to continue to promote people doing great work and to, you know, I myself am no stranger to calling out what I consider to be questionable or bad actors. So, you know, I, I try to do my best to really platform people that uh, are, are in alignment with my value system if they're selling something, but also to bring on people with differing perspectives. You know, I don't necessarily want to promote their product, but I think the breakdown in communication across party lines is probably what concerns me the most about like the sort of political spectrum in the U.S. is this idea that we have people with very divergent views and we've become really bad at communicating diplomatically and it just ends up, you know, people yelling at each other. And I, I think, you know, maybe that's not the healthiest thing moving forward because what that leads to is echo chambers. And so, you know, something that I want to do is to be able to have nuanced dialogues and be able to entertain competing perspectives or different ideas. Cause at the end of the day, like we're not, nobody's going to agree on everything, right? Like there are people who have different business philosophies to you and they're also actively shaping this space. So, you know, I think we've got our work cut out for us. That's for sure. 
And, you know, I think the last bit that I want to touch upon today is just to, you know, ask about what's coming out of Everyday Dose and out of your business over the next couple months. You just got this amazing warehouse space that's 10,000 feet, right? Uh, are you planning to like host events there? You know, are you, you know, what, what are some kind of like, what are, what are some of the events or some of the ideas coming out of Everyday Dose above and beyond the wonderful mushroom coffee product and the matcha that you offer? Thank you. Yeah. So super excited about the 10,000 square foot warehouse. I do believe that Everyday Dose is a part of a bigger, bigger picture. Um, mushroom coffee, while it's going to help you on your your road to health long-term and short-term, it's not the solution. And so we're creating a biohacking lab, uh, implementing things that I love that have really changed my life. So uh, cold plunge, so important. If I'm in a bad headspace and I get in that cold plunge for three minutes, it sucks. But when I come out, I feel amazing. Uh, also heat, I love saunas. And so we're putting a sauna and a cold plunge in the warehouse for, for, for me and the team. Everybody who's even picking and packing and shipping those products have access to this. And I think that's super important because I want everybody to to be able to have uh, access to these things. And hopefully these things become more and more affordable so that everybody can have one in their home. Or you see it at gyms more often and not just the fancy gyms. I don't want to just have to go to like a cold plunge sauna spot. Just be, hopefully Planet Fitness, you know, even has a cold plunge and sauna uh, in their in their gym, so that if you pay ten dollars a month, you have access to this. Like I, that would make me so happy because I just know how transformative it is for me. Um, we're also uh, we have a CrossFit gym, so my landlord um, is obsessed with with CrossFit. So he built a CrossFit gym. We're sharing the space with him, and he has a CrossFit gym in the space. So we're going to be hosting CrossFit uh, introductory courses for anybody. Uh, we're going to have a sauna, cold plunge, uh, infrared lights with, with a vibe plate that's underneath, uh, just kind of creating this biohacking lounge that invite people to experience the everyday dose lifestyle. So those are the other things that are really going to be coming up soon. Hopefully a podcast too. Maybe a podcast. Right on. Well, I hope you do that. And when I'm out in Austin in the near future, I'll definitely swing by if the warehouse is open and check it out and shoot some content out there. So Jack Savage, found a huge fan of your work, and we'll stay in touch moving forward and build this thing out together. Thanks for having me.